G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 0105. Uh, day one, and there's already moving at the station. All the latest from Trade Week, the opening bell. And of course, 1300 736 736, your say on the news of the day. Still plenty of fallout from the NRL grand final. Tom Brady went back to Foxborough for the first time, so let's get stuck into that and a whole lot more. Yes, indeed. Good evening. Welcome to Time On. I hope you've had as, I hope you've had as good a day as you possibly can. Uh, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, it's wonderful to have your company on a day where we uh, go from being the sporting capital to the lockdown capital uh, of the world, which is a pretty bitter pill to swallow. So if you are doing it tough, I'm, I'm thinking of you. And uh, there is a phone line here for you, 1300 736 736. If you'd like to distract yourself with a bit of sports talk, we'd love to have your company, and hopefully we can reclaim that title of the sporting capital sooner rather than later. And uh, we all know what we need to do to get there. So thanks to anyone that got a test today, uh, anyone that got vaccinated today, and for all the frontline workers uh, who are doing an incredible job too. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 736 The temper text, temper a mattress like no other. Uh, so we've had our first sort of mega trade or mega deal happen today. And of course, I will go through this in a lot more detail and Recap the events of Trade Radio today and the major discussion points after seven with Trade Evenings. But uh, it is also obviously part of the news of the day. And um, the the story today is uh, Collingwood, the most important issue on their, uh, the most important item on their agenda was making sure they accumulated enough points so that if anyone bid on Nick Dacos, no matter what position, whether it had been with the first pick from North Melbourne, that they would have enough draft points to match that bid. They've been able to accomplish that goal today. Uh, they have exchange selections with the Gold Coast Suns. So Collingwood received five Gold Coast picks, four in the upcoming draft and and the and a fifth in the 2022 national draft for three future selections. So the Maggies have taken possession of picks 22, 46, 58 and 79 in the 2021 National Draft, along with the Gold Coast fourth round selection in next year's draft in exchange for their second, third and fourth round picks in 2022. Uh, Collingwood's GM of footy, Graham Wright, uh, has said, we have happily been able to make a commitment to Nick Dacos and we are in discussions to acquire a few others. More broadly, the deal enables us to continue to build a stockpile of young talent. We mined the draft last year to bring six of the first 44 players into our program. Close to half of our list are in the one to three year phase of their career careers and today's agreement with the Suns will allow us uh, to keep pursuing our strategy. Cal Toomey broke the story earlier today uh, and it uh, came to fruition. A couple other stories doing the rounds from a trade point of view. Lewis Young, um, the versatile dog who was forced to pinch hit in the ruck uh, waiting for Steph Martin to come home when Luke Beveridge didn't seem to have the confidence uh, playing Tim English as a starting ruck. He did a fantastic job and acquitted himself really well, did Lewis Young. He's requested a trade to Carlton per Cal Toomey, afl.com.au. Uh, 22 years of age, 
he's shown his versatility, forward, back, and obviously at the centre bounce. Um, he wants out of the Dogs nine games this season. The Dogs are having a think about securing his replacement via Tim O'Brien, the out-of-contract Hawk. Um, Sam Edmund today has gone through a few different players on their futures, and I'll get to that uh, in just a moment. Um, Riley Beveridge saying that he wouldn't rule Hawthorne out of the Peter Laddams race as well. I'll get to that in just a moment too. And uh, Seb Ross has decided to stay a saint. Uh, so he's decided to not go down the free agency path. Uh, two-time Trevor Barker award winner has signed on for the 2022 season and beyond. A two-year deal for him. You'd think that he would stay a saint for life now. George Hewitt... Um, Spoke to Dwayne Russell today, a four-year deal um, as part of uh, his restricted free agency opportunity with Carlton, a four-year deal uh, heading from Sydney now to Princess Park. He spoke to Dwayne earlier today about why he chose Carlton. Um, yeah, it was, uh, um, yeah, I just think the main reason was um, just Carlton's list. I, I know it's um, such a talented list and um, hopefully... Um, they can build on another strong pre-season and then um, go out, um, start next year and play some real good footy. And, um, yeah, I just think there's a lot of talent there, especially in their spine with um, Harry Mackay, um, Jacob Weedering, and then you got uh, Cribs and Walshie um, in the middle. So, yeah, I see there's a lot of um, yeah, talent in the team. So that was the main reason. Yeah, he spoke about how he also got the deal from Carlton. Yeah, it's obviously um, a nice thing, I guess. But, um, yeah, um I won't be complacent at all. I think I'm one of my best assets has been a hard worker, and but um, yeah, it's obviously um, a good reward, I guess. For, um, and it's nice to let Carlton have belief in me, but yeah, it's nice for, for myself and the family to just obviously feel feel pretty secure. Uh, so that was George Hewitt on the deal he got, the four-year deal. Not everyone a big fan of that. Kane Corns uh, was not. Um, as positive about Carlton giving George Hewitt a four-year deal and couldn't quite understand why. Well, I just don't. I just think if you know, he hasn't finished in the top ten of their best and fairest for what for everything I read, Sydney were were happy for him to leave. I just don't understand why a four-year deal is required now. A two-year deal w- was fair for me for George Hewitt. Why why to Carlton when they've got you know Sam Walsh who's going to cost them a million probably at the end of next year. You've already got s- just loaded with the salary cap with Williams and Sard and McGovern and Cripps and Mackay and all these players. Like why put yourself under the pressure of committing four years to a player who who may not even be in your best twenty-two? Hopefully round one next year. I'm, I'm not I'm not convinced. Yet. I'm got no issue with the recruitment of George Hewitt. I think he'll you know play some play a handy role, but whether he's you know, completely in their best 22, I'm, I'm not 100% convinced yet he's got a four-year deal. So, yeah, Kane Corns, it's an interesting point he raises, and uh, it's, it is a good question to ask, certainly if you're a Carlton fan as well, and we're seeing examples all through, whether it be via uh, 1300 736 736, the phone line, uh, or through Trade Radio, if you've been listening to that, that a lot of Carlton fans really jumping up and down about not wanting to overpay for Adam Chera in the deal that we're looking likely to get done between the Blues and the Dockers. Um, and that's because of what Carlton have done in years gone by. That's that's because they've overpaid, whether it be financially or via the amount of draft capital they've given up to secure players. So there's a real sensitivity about this. And are Carlton re- repeating some mistakes of the past? Are they giving too much again when they didn't really need to? Uh, so Carlton fans, one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three. 98 uh, 11 16. I wouldn't mind getting your thoughts on that. It seems a lot of people 
saying, don't overpay for Chera, don't overpay for Chera. But I haven't heard much from Carlton fans what they think of a four-year deal for George Hewitt, who was a really important player uh, with Sydney. He was second in their best and fairest back in 2019. He played the majority of the season this year. He provides a bit of inside grunt. He can be a run-with player as well, and he wins enough of the footy himself. Um, but it's an interesting question. Will he be in their best 22? And did you need to give him four years when maybe two would have sufficed? Um, 1-300-736-736. Uh, NRL Grand Final last night. It was a fantastic game and brilliantly called um, on SEN Rugby League, NRL Nation as well. And uh, that's been reflected throughout the course of the day. Uh, Scotty Sattler was with Brecky uh, a little earlier on and what a story, uh, Scott Sattler. What an occasion for him. He won a premiership with the Panthers back in 2003. His try-saving tackle is part of NRL folklore. Um, his old man, though, was a, a South Sydney Rabbitohs legend. Won four premierships with them uh, as captain. So you can imagine he's got you know a split mind, split heart when it came to who he would have been supporting. Um, but he had the opportunity to present the rings uh, and he took out the Cup uh, on the Suncorp Stadium last night, a 14 to 12 Penrith win. Um, probably um, just eases the pain of uh, their loss last year to the Melbourne Storm in the decider. Penrith Panthers, who uh, we, we, they came limping into the finals. Um, and, you know, we always see, don't we, in these, in these big games, these grand finals, that uh, legendary stories have become folklore. And uh, there's five of the players that probably shouldn't have played last night. Um, two of them definitely. Um, were basically just uh, put together like a patchwork clip quilt. Uh, the winger, Brian Tyler, has got to get serious sank- uh, ankle surgery. Um, their fullback, Dylan, Dylan Edwards, for the, for the entire final series, has been on crutches and a moonboot and basically just taking cortisones and then getting uh, four to five injections to get on the field. Hmm. Um, and Moses Leota, their big front row, came back from a bad cast uh, tear as well. So basically, if you have five of their, their 17 players... They shouldn't have been on the field last night. Now, their captain and Clive Churchill medal winner, uh, Nathan Cleary, he's got a complete rupture of his labrum in, the, in his shoulder. He's, he's been carrying that since origin. So Jeez. he's booked in for surgery tomorrow. So it's, it's an amazing story that's going to go down in, in folklore, the, um, the, yeah, the, the pain and, and suffering that these players have, have gone through to get just on the field first and foremost. But to be able to hold off a team that is coached by the greatest coach of all time in, in rugby league and will probably go down as one of the greatest coaches in Australian sport in years to come. Um, to be able to hold them off is an, uh, an amazing effort. Just goes to show you how impressive that performance from Penrith was. I thought South Sydney would be too fresh for them, uh, especially after the brutal encounter that the Panthers had with the Melbourne Storm in the prelim. And when you hear Sats talk through the injury list uh, and, and just how uh, injury riddled they were with the team that ran out there, it's a remarkable achievement to have won and the way that they did. Uh, and there was just defining moments in the game and a lot of them seemed to, to go uh, their way. And uh, Brett Kamali spoke to Dwayne Russell, who was part of our call team for that game last night, former Melbourne Storm Premiership player, set up the winning try for Storm's first ever Premiership. He spoke to Dwayne Russell a little earlier today. It was exactly the game that I thought it would be. Low scoring, very tight. Um, you know, very good defensive effort. Penrith obviously have won three games in a row now, pretty much on the back of massive defensive performances. Their attack had gone missing when the semi-finals arrived, but um, masterclass from Nathan Cleary's kicking game was first class. They played great field position. Um, they couldn't get that knockout punch on their own. Obviously, South Sydney handed uh, Stephen Crichton that intercept, but um, 
you know, it was a, a, an amazing game of football, history-breaking for the first time in Brisbane out of Sydney. Uh, and the, the team that lost, um, obviously, there's got to be a winner and a loser, but South Sydney should hold their heads extremely high because they played... They played brilliant on the fact of having no field position, and at some stage there near the end, they were they were going to go to extra time, or or, or literally just defy the odds yep. and win the match on their own. Penrith had most of the good ball attacking up a juice. Every time South Sydney got a chance to attack, they played some great football and looked like scoring continuously. They just weren't at the other end often enough. So um, it was a great defensive effort. The best top two defensive teams in the last 10 years have generally been one of those two has become the Premier. So if everyone wants to learn how to win a Premiership, fix your defence first and then worry about your attack second. Uh, Brett Kamali speaking to Dwayne Russell earlier today and it's just uh, he reminded us there too that Panthers actually lost in the first week of the finals to the Rabbitohs, so they had to go the long way to get there with that injury list. Nathan Cleary was phenomenal. Uh, every kick he put in was just uh, pinpoint perfect. Uh, 23 years of age, a Clive Churchill medalist for best on ground in a grand final, uh, and they become just the second father-son duo. His father, Ivan, coaches, and ironically enough, it was Penrith in 2003, John Lang, the coach, Martin Lang uh, in the team as well. The uh, the second ever father-son duo to win an NRL premiership. Matty Johns uh, was on 1170 SEN in Sydney today. Yeah, the mathematical equation to you know, to, to rugby league is you can only take as as many risks in your attack as how good your, your defence is. And what they started to do, the Panthers, was that what they started to adjust their attack. Their attack was struggling a little bit, so they just took fewer risks. And they both, and as you said, they just won out on their on their defence. And um, that was it. it. It wasn't. It wasn't a grand final that you look back and go and you'll remember in time and say that was just a classic. It was just. It was one on the back of just discipline. Matty Johns today and Robert Craddock um, was on SEN today as well, um, has been covering rugby league for a very, very long time. And he spoke uh, on mornings today and about to how the junior representative element that came through with the Pants. I think they had six uh, of their premiership players had played junior footy for them as well. Yeah, they came back. The, the key narrative for me was this, Sam, and I'll put this one to you to see whether you can remember the last time it happened in AFL because it's much harder to do with AFL in a draft system there was a group of kids at Penrith who grew from boys to men together. There was about eight of them, and they sat there from about they were time they were 14 years old saying, we will win a grand final together. Now, they lost their first semi-final and had to win the last three. All three were brutal. They got in last night, and one of them, Dylan Edwards, had a broken foot. He was in a moon boot. Nathan Cleary had a busted shoulder. Mm. When the Penrith bus arrived at the ground, Sam, we saw it come around a corner into the stadium and it clipped at the side railing and a bit of it fell off. And I thought, oh, there's a, there's a portent there right there, Sam. <laughs> there's an omen. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the point is, I mentioned that to an AFL mate of mine. I said, I said this is one of, one of the best ways to win a, win a premiership is to grow, home grow it. If you can do it, it's so hard to do. And he mentioned, he said, oh, Dennis Pagan took a group of North Melbourne under-19 team uh, through, like, he, he stayed with them. I, I, I don't, I'm not, uh, my knowledge is not that mm. deep. I don't know whether that's right. Yeah, but it is. It's yep. harder to do an AFL, yeah, where you can just get a group of kids that say, we want this, we want this bad, we're growing up together. From age 15, 16, that's what got them over the line last night. The, 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 the historical bondage of kids that said, whatever it takes, we're going to do it.
Robert Craddock with Sam Edmund on Mornings Today. Kane and Sam doing a great job filling in for Jared. Uh, Lindsay, Jack, stay right there. I'm going to come to you on the other side of the break. But first, Mark in Sydney who's been waiting patiently. G'day, mate. G'day. How are you, Sam? Good, thanks, Mark. Good, good. Feeling for all of you in Melbourne with the lockdown down there. Thank we're you, mate. Close to the, we're closer to coming out of it in Sydney, thank goodness. But um, what I wanted to talk about tonight was I was really impressed with uh, the Penrith Panthers last night because they're my team, of course. So it was great to see a win, especially with the Premiership. And uh, I think Jared Sutton managed the match really well in comparison with a few of the preliminary finals where the refs just absolutely botched uh, their duties and calls. And... Um, I was always standing by Penrith thinking they could win the Premiership and a couple of weeks ago I actually got a bit of flack from some Melbourne Storm SEN listeners who uh, reckoned I was off the planet saying Penrith will win. But uh, it was really good to see and it's been really heartening and encouraging to not only us Penrith Panthers supporters up here in Sydney but Sydney as a whole. Uh, well done, Mark. Enjoy it. Uh, first premiership since 2003 and just their third in their history. So uh, you can't begrudge uh, Panthers fans for wanting to celebrate and uh, shout it from the rooftops. Uh, it's, a, it's a decent little while to wait. Uh, not as long as Melbourne fans had to wait, of course, but it's a, it's a wait nonetheless. Uh, so thank you, Mark, uh, for joining us. Hey, Lindsay, Jack, Anthony, straight to you on the other side of this time on your say on the news of the day. Still plenty more to bring you throughout the course of the last 24 hours. And Big Segs, John Segler, who is looking for a new club as Hawthorne's rebuild gathers some steam, guys. So Segler is contracted until the end of next year, the last year of a three-year deal he signed in 2019. But he's been asked to explore opportunities elsewhere. He's 30 years of age. He did finish the season on fire, but he now looks likely to make way as Sam Mitchell hunts that stronger foothold in this year's draft. So the Hawks have got picks 5, 21, 24, and a couple of later picks, 56 and 62. But they've been bullish about their desire to replenish their stocks any way they can. Now, the Hawks also, though, they've got an interest in the opportunity star Collingwood big man Max Lynch, who is 23, because unlike Hawthorne, Collingwood is chasing later picks in the draft to absorb that early bid on Nick Dacos. And Segler, for his part, he lost his place in the second half of the year to that emerging ruck down there, Ned Reeves. Skipper Ben McAvoy going as strong as ever. So Segler's the one to make way at the moment, and he's got some currency as well. He monstered Sydney in round 13, that incredible game where he had 19 contested possessions, 11 clearances, 35 hitouts. And across his last five games, he performed really strongly. And we know there's a lot of clubs in the market for a ruck at the moment. Saints, Dogs, Brisbane. Sam Edmund speaking on SEN Breakfast a little earlier today uh, about John Segler maybe being asked by Hawthorne to explore what other opportunities there might be at other clubs around the competition. And that was before, obviously, that Collingwood and the Suns did that uh, pick swap today. Uh, Collingwood get 22, 46, 58, 79 in this year's draft, along with a fourth-round selection next year. And in return, uh, the Suns get uh, Collingwood second, third and fourth round picks in the 2022 draft. Uh, Lindsay, in some of you, have been waiting really patiently. Hello, mate. Hey, Sam. Look, um, just with these point swaps, and I've got a real problem with the way that point system works for these um, father, sons and academy players. If you look at the history of what the Swans did with Mills and Blakey, and I think they did it again with Campbell and um, uh, Gildon, they trade away their first-round picks um, and then offer, then get elite players for shrapnel. Now, Collingwood traded away their pick last year because they knew that 
they could, you know, assemble some shrapnel and get um, the number one pick in the country. I just don't think it's right. You know, that you, you can't, you know, have pick 39, 42, 56 and 78 and then adds up to a number one player. That's ludicrous. What, the NFL's got to do something about this. Why, why do you think it's ludicrous, Lindsay? Because it's supposed to be evening up the competition. Now, in Sydney's case, it doesn't matter if they win the next five flags in a row through their academy and put aside that it's good for football that New South Wales players are, are coming into the comp. They can load up with elite talent and they don't pay anything for it. If you go back and have a look at what they paid for Callum Mills, I think Melbourne offered a, a pick three for him and it was just the late shrapnel that they assembled to get him. Same thing happened with, with Blakey. And, and if you have a look what Collingwood has to offer up, it's, it's nothing like a elite pick to get elite talent. It doesn't seem right. There is a change that's been made to it, Lindsay, um, that wasn't in effect last year, but uh, it should be in effect this year. And I've just got to refresh my memory on it. Um, but um, what's going to happen now, I believe, is that... Um, there's a change in the way that the bidding system's going to work um, in light of the reduction to list sizes and trading future picks last year. So I'm going to read up on that. There is a change to it that makes it um, a little bit harder. You've got to give up a bit more uh, if you are the clubs looking to match bids. But I've just got to, when it comes to father-sons, but I've just got to get my head around it. There was a change. Um, I know that, but the, the machinations of it, uh, I've got to re re just re-familiarise myself with it. Um, so I'll, I'll try and get the answer to that, your question, before the end of the show, OK? All right. Yeah, thanks, mate. Look, as I say, that um, you've got to pay fair. I understand if you've got academies, you put work in. But really, a father-son's, you're just lucking out. It's just luck. They've, they haven't put any work into Dacos or Darcy Moore or all the other players they've got. They've got to pay, you know, pay fair freight for a player like that and not, not assemble this. At the best pick, they've got 23. So that's not enough for a, a number one pick, is it? No, look, I think you make some really good points there. And I, as I said, I just want to re-familiarise myself with the changes to those rules and, and how they do come into play. So thanks for bringing it to the attention. It is a good discussion point, uh, and I thank you for making it. Uh, Jack's in Sandringham. G'day, Jack. Yeah, g'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, good, thanks. Just a couple of things. Um, the first thing I want to talk about was the Sample Grand Final yesterday. Yeah, what about um, that? Woodward West Torrance. Glenelg only lost one game for the year. Absolutely. Two now. Now, on the uh, Eagles, I actually think they're the best sporting franchise in Australia at the moment. The way they get all this old AFL talent, get all the young talent that haven't been drafted yet, they keep changing their list and keep dominating. So I actually think the Torrens Eagles are the best franchise at the moment. So that was the first thing. Okay. And, and the second thing is on the baggers, what is Carlton doing paying George Hewitt that sort of money? We continually do it. McGovern, they're just bit players. They're not dominant. They're no big fish. Oh, I, what are I, your thoughts? Oh, look, I, I think it's an interesting point Kane raises about did you need to give someone who didn't have a contract off for four years when maybe two would have still got into the club? I don't think the money's that big, though, Jack. Reportedly around four fifty, And when you think that the average wage in the AFL is around three eighty, I think. I've got to double-check that as well. But So they're not really paying overs for him. I think that's probably reasonable. But whether four years was the right amount that you needed 
um, to, to offer up when maybe you could have got it for, you know, maybe you could have got George for t- with two years. Um, yeah. So I don't think the money's overt, but but maybe the length of contract could possibly be. But again, I don't blame George Hewitt for that. I, I'm always one that you never ever begrudge players, given that the average career spans I think about four to five years. Um, you never begrudge a player getting the best possible contract they can because of the, you know, the, how 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 quickly it can all be cut short. So you've got to make hay while the sun shines, as they say. But yeah, did they need to give four years? Would two have done it? I guess we'll never know. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and well done. On, it's an interesting point you raised about Woodville West Torrance as well. It seems like they are absolutely aware of where they sit. Oftentimes there's a lot of complaining that comes out of the sandful in regards to the, you know, the mid-season draft and things like that. But it seems like Woodville are a team that have accepted where where they're at and, and what they're in the game to do. So they, you're right, they give a place for players out of the game to play and then they bring in great young talent that get, seems to get picked up in mid-season drafts or, or into drafts. So, um, yeah, they, they do seem like a really well-run second-tier um, organisation. Uh, and so thank you for that. Anthony in Ringwood. G'day, Anthony. G'day. How are you, Sammy? Uh, good, thank you, mate. Yeah, I look. I was just listening about the George Hewitt, um, you know, um, getting into Carlton, and I'm just absolutely wrapped because uh, I've been watching George last two or three years at Sydney and um, playing in that midfield. Um, it's, it's very strong. He's uh, his last last few games. I think he had 13, 13 tackles, and he's just mm. one of those guys that's going to help out Danny Walsh. Crippers look, you know. Tip is 26, and he's playing like a 29-year-old at the moment, so he's banged up a bit. Yeah, he is. Our depth in our midfield is our biggest issue, and we've got to attract blokes who are willing to play. Agreed. And and put their body on the line. And look, you have a look at the draft capital. Look, people bad Carlton, and Kane Gorns is is one of them. He says that, you know, know, with Jack Martin, with Jack Williams, uh, and now George Hewitt, no draft capital on these blokes. Okay, we've played 105% of our salary cap. We've got plenty of cash there. Um, they're funding at about four or five um, of these blokes. You know, the only way to protect... You don't want Sam Walsh getting smashed up every week. Um, we can we get locked with, with, with Cripper. It's, it's Great point, that they, Anthony. We're singing from the same hymn book. Keep going. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and, and getting Sarah is another, um, is another player that, you know, look, he's just going to help. He's 21. He's in the right age, age demographic. Look, we've got a good... Young list, and, and but we've got no one to kick the Harry. We've got no depth coming through that midfield. Look, Bow's good, and, he, and he's going to be a better player. He'll be a better player in a stronger midfield. And blokes who are prepared to tackle and run both ways. We haven't got blokes on that side that run both ways. And and, and one thing about George, what's in him over the last three years? He runs both ways. Now, you know, Tank Cords is an idiot. I've always said he's an idiot. And look, you know, and, and look, you can have an opinion, but it really infuriates me because. You know, Carlton is starting to do something for once, and they're starting to uh, to get uh, an area of their game which they're lacking is in their midfield. Midfield has been a biggest issue for yeah. two or three. Anthony, I, I think what Kane's saying is great pickup, but did you need to give four years when maybe two would as far? So I understand that question. I I totally agree with you that they need more players who will play the role in which a coach sets out for them. There's so many, you know, and it's been brought up about Carlton before that there's a lot of players that seem to be pick and choose. Like you've got these guys in, and oh, we've got these, you know, great running halfbackers, Bob, but they don't want to defend. You know, there's no buts about George Hewitt, is there? This is a guy that signs up. 
He's all in. He's the team above the individual. He will play a run-with role if asked. If you tell him to go hunt the footy, he'll go hunt the footy. This is a guy that will do what's asked of him and more. So I think, it, I think you're right. It's a really, really good pickup, and he does provide a strong body, a bit of protection in there, which they haven't had. And as you say, you guys, you know, with all due respect, Patrick Cripps has been thrown under the bus in his career, having to shoulder the whole load in the middle from his second year. Um, and, and you don't want to repeat that mistake of the past. So, mate, I think you make some great points, and I, and I thank you for ringing up to make them. Thank you very much. And, uh, yeah, have a good night, Sam. I, I, uh, I'm glad you heard my voice, that's all. No, absolutely. Give us a call any time. Um, very, very well-reasoned argument. Maybe a bit harsh on poor old Volcano, <laughs> but, um, but that's okay. one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. 9811 Mark in Bacchus Marsh, stay right there. You'll be the first up uh, after this. And this is a good text from Will in Mickleham, which, again, I wanted to read up. Just exa- I just wanted to get my head around a few things. But he does make a great point in relation to our, our caller that we had uh, a little bit earlier, which was Lindsay talking about uh, father-son and what they're worth. The Pies did give up their first selection in last year's draft to make sure that they got the draft capital. So they did split that pick to get more in the door uh, to get the points that they needed. So it is a good point well made there as well. Uh, more time on coming up. Uh, welcome back to Time On. That number, one three hundred seven three six seven three six to have your say on the news of the day. You can text me, 0433-981116 on the temper text. Temper, a mattress like no other. Um, plenty of calls coming through uh, as well, so I'm going to get to those before we uh, keep working through some of the news of the day. Mark in Bacchus Marsh, hello to you, mate. Sammy, my friend, how you going, dude? Good, thank you. What have you got for me? Mate, I need you to work with me here because you'll see the method of our madness. The point at the end will be that I'm thinking about finals next year, not uh-huh. the 22 games, but an okay. actual the final series is the end play. Now, I think Segler, awesome. Get him, right? Bang. Just like when Hawthorne got Brian Lake just to finish off their team, we should get Segler. But on top of that, Mason Cox. If we got Cox and Segler... That then gives us flexibility because if we get injuries, we got coverage. But if we haven't got injuries, think about this quickly, Sam. Mm-hmm. You could play Cox forward. You could play English forward, Segler in the ruck. In the finals, Bruce will be back next year. He's knee Rico. He'll be back for finals. So you've got them three. Guess what? We can put Norton now at centre-half back. So we've got Keith at fullback, Norton at centre-half back, Segler in the ruck, and then we've got the three big boys down front. What a spy. That fixes multiple problems because our backline issue is sorted as well because Norton can go back to centre-half back, which is his best position. And there's no doubt about it in my mind. Mate, it is a no-brainer. And Cox is cheap, and Segler will be cheap because Hawthorne told him to go to, to Nick off. So they'll both be cheap for the dogs, and they'll get Darcy as well with the, uh, with the draft with their first pick. That's it, mate. But I think uh, Cox and Segler, not just Segler. I think it makes you too tall, Mark. I think one of them, and I understand what you're trying to do there, and I'm not opposed to maybe just tinkering a little bit and seeing, you know, does Norton go back this year or maybe, sorry, next year or maybe the year after, depending on how long it takes, uh, whether it be Darcy or Jamar Hagen to cement their spot uh, in that forward line. You're right, you are going to get Bruce back for finals, but I think that Steph Martin's still worth another year. I still think that if you've got him there, um, that he would still be the number one ruck. You've got Jordan Sweet waiting in the wings as well. So I don't know if you need to go that tall. 
Oh, I think you might be too tall there. And if you if you 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 want his to play Tim English as a permanent forward who maybe does a little bit of pinch hitting in the ruck, I think you can do that. But I reckon you've just gone a little too tall there. But I like the thought that's gone into it, mate, and I love hearing from you. Uh, so I'm sure I'll speak to you again very soon. Uh, Pete's in Paran. G'day, Pete. G'day, Sam. Uh, really appreciate you taking my call. No, not at all. Thanks show. for calling. Love the show. Always listening because we're getting things at the end of the day, especially when we've missed some of this in during the day, so it's brilliant. Uh, by the way, firstly, your producer's an absolute star and an absolute gentleman. He's um, a ripper, Julia. So, uh, just, just a bit of feedback. Now, I'm a bit selfish, but it, it, it leans in your sort of uh, air of favouritism as well, which is Hawthorne. Do you mind, and sorry if you've gone through this before, but just for us selfish Hawthorne people, <laughs> what has where have we, we eventuated today and what could we be possibly looking at over the next couple of days given the latest trade talk? So just sorry, I just missed, you just broke up on me a little bit there, Pete. So what was the I'm question? I'm sorry. I'm just saying from Hawthorne, where did we conclude it today just with any trade, trade uh, you know, uh, exchange? And where could we possibly be headed over the next couple of days based on what we know right now? Uh, so Sam Edmund was reporting today that John Segler had been advised by the Hawks to maybe explore what other options are out there for him. Uh, there is a, a report too that maybe, uh, I think it was Matty Lloyd today on Trade Radio suggesting that he's heard that uh, Jack Gunston might be exploring what other opportunities there might be for him. Um, and we know that Richie Vandenberg has said in a pretty wide-ranging uh, interview that that everything's on the table for Hawthorne in terms of what they're looking to do, how they bring in more draft picks, whether that's trading picks, trading players, so on and so on. So they're having a look at every aspect of what they do. So as for what's concrete, uh, nothing today. So it's all chat and all okay. speculation. But um, I, I, there's been a lot of talk about Hawthorne needing to be bold. So it's a, it's a great segue in, Pete, and I'm going to speak about this more after seven. So when you look at the success that Hawthorne had for what built 08 and then what built 13, 14, 15, that was being aggressive in trade and trading for picks. And it started in the 2001 draft, which I think it's the greatest trade ever made. So there you go. I'm going to throw down the gauntlet for someone to come back to me with a better trade in the history of trades than what Hawthorne did in 2001 to trade picks, um, to trade Trent Crowe and Luke McFarlane to Fremantle to get picks 1, 20 and 36. Now, pick 20 went to Daniel Elston and, and he's a, a Bendigo pioneer and uh, unfortunately didn't have the career that they were hoping him to have. But the other two, Luke Hodge with number one, three-time premiership captain, four-time premiership player, two-time Norm Smith medalist. And Sam Mitchell was who they got at pick 36, who's now their coach. And they ended up getting Trent Crowe back in, two, uh, in 2003 for pick 10, which Fremantle used on Riley Dunn. So we got the Hawthorne got the better of that trade as well. Crowe was All-Australian in 2005, should have been in 08, and was a premiership player in 08. And when you look back, Pete, on what they did after that, whether it be trading Nathan Thompson out, Jade Rawlings was traded out, Daniel Chick was traded out. They were aggressive to get in as many draft picks as possible to build on the future that we now know was four premierships to come from the work that they did starting probably the year before in 2000. But but that draft, that 2001 draft, laid the foundations and they continued on in that vein, um, you know, when they got Buddy Franklin, um, Jared Roughhead, Jordan Lewis in that draft, uh, 2001 draft. They also uh, uh, 
Uh, 2000 was the draft they got Campbell Brown. So that's how they did it, by being aggressive. They had established players that they knew had been wonderful servants for their footy club, but they needed to... They realised that those players weren't going to be there for their next premiership. And, and for Hawthorne, if they want to get back there as quickly as possible, Jeff Kennett saying, hey, draft for two years and we're back in finals, it just doesn't happen like that. So if they want to get anywhere near that goal, then they have to be aggressive. So that's why... You know, if Jack Gunston was able to find a new home that's in a premiership window, I'd be absolutely wrapped for him. And then Hawthorne can get some draft picks for him. Tom Mitchell, Yegro Mira, Chad Wingard, they all need to be on the table and up for purchase uh, in order for Hawthorne to improve their draft hand for the next couple of years. Thanks for the call, Pete. I uh, hope that helped uh, answer in some way, shape or form. Uh, Chris is in Werribee. G'day, Chris. Uh, g'day, mate. How you going? Good, mate. What have you got for me? Uh, just backing up Anthony before about uh, George Hewitt. Um, <clears> the <throat> thing is, Carlton being criticised for signing him up for four years, I think they're hedging their bets, mate. You in, know, um, in what way, Chris? Well, well four years of 500000 we didn't pay anything to get him. Now, if they sign him up for two years and he burns the house down, he's asking for 800 the next two, isn't he? Um... Well, I don't think or so. Six hundred. You know, hedge your bets, mate. You know, if it doesn't work out, he don't play, and and you know, like there is a place there for him. Yep, like I he's agree all right in the back line. He's all right in the back line. He goes well in the midfield. Yep. Um, we've got a player there that flies under the radar since I've been watching the Blues. I've been I've been a Carlton supporter all my life, and this bloke is dead set flying under the radar. Lucky Plowman. How he gets a game every week has got me beat. I'd like to know if there's any people out there who agree with me, mate. Truly. Well, we'll wait and see. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for the call. Uh, I, I do agree with you. There's absolutely a place for George Hewitt, uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm, we're in total agreement there, mate. Thank you for the call. Uh, greatly appreciated. one three hundred seven three six seven three six is the number. Uh, there's some news coming through. In regards to Melbourne's uh, GM of footy operations for their AFLW and VFL, Daniel McPherson is going to depart the Red and Blue after eight seasons. He's taken up a position at North Melbourne to be their general manager of football performance. I think we've known for a little while that the Roos were on the hunt to fill that position. So that's uh, some news coming out of the Demons today. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. your say on the news of the day. Did anyone get a chance to see Tom Brady go back to Foxborough? today for the first time. He's now beaten he's one of two quarterbacks, only two quarterbacks to have beaten every NFL team that exists to beat uh, and, and a, a ton of other records along the way. Most passing yards in history now but I can't remember a bigger icon going back to play their former team other than MJ playing the Bulls for the first time in um, when he went to the Wizards. But it was a massive deal today. We're going to speak about it a little bit more um, in the Sporting Capital later on this evening. But until then, it's still time on. It's still your say on the news of the day. So let's keep rolling with that, shall we? They've said even this year we want to continue to improve our draft. We're looking at trading picks, future picks, current picks, salary cap movement, players. So, so how, everything is on the table at Hawthorne. So how the moment. playing group feel about reading that, do you think, today? Or it depends on how it's been communicated to them. Well, it's pretty, it's pretty un, um, unequivocal, unambiguous. Everyone's on the table. So we're looking at trading... Picks. We're looking at trading future picks. We're looking at trading current picks, salary cap movement, and players. And players, yeah. So um, I think you hold your breath if you're Hawthorne player right now.
Tim and Gary speaking about Hawthorne's restructure earlier today. SEN.com.au to hear the full podcast. They went into detail about what they think the dogs need to do uh, when it comes to that ruck situation. I know that Mark from Bacchus Marsh would be keen to listen to that. SEN.com.au. And also a great chat about Isaac Heaney. And does he become the next, uh, I suppose, when we look at players who have that big-bodied mid who can also play forward, what's the best mix for them? Uh, and when do we see them flourish into the player that we see glimpses of? No, maybe not week in, week out, but when do they become week in, week out rather than here and there? And it's a good chat about Isaac Heaney that they had, SEN.com.au. I'll play that a little later on tonight. But if you wanted to hear it all, SEN.com.au to get all the podcasts and major discussion points throughout the course of the day. Pete's in Greenvale. G'day, Pete. G'day, Sam. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, it's good, mate. I just uh, can't believe that Hawthorne's saying that everyone's on the table. I, After watching the second half of the year and the way we finished off against Brisbane and drew with Melbourne, I thought, uh, considering the injury list that we had, the boys done really well. I mean, you throw Sicily, Impey, CJ, and, and quite a few others back in the lineup, um, you're not that far away. Yeah, it's a good point, Pete. Um, I, I think they got some great results at the end, but I wonder how much of that was, you know, there was a little bit of playing on emotion with Alistair Clarkson. Some of it was, you know, a few masterclasses from him in the way that the game plan was utilised and or, I suppose uh, the, the game plan was, um, was played um, and implemented by the players. So yeah. I think there was a bit of that as well. I think you're right, though. There are some great signs. And when you talk about the players that have come back, I think there's some something. There's there's bits and pieces to get really excited about. But I do hold the belief that, that if they're going to be back in finals and contending within two years, then you've got to be aggressive now. Uh, they've got to do what they did to set up that 08 flag and then the 13, 14, 15. Um, Melbourne yeah. has shown that blueprint about having, you know, multiple um, first-round picks, building your team around those. Richmond... You know, a little bit similar in the way that they went went about it. Maybe a little bit different for Richmond, but yeah, I I think there's some great positivity there, mate. But I I, I do think that it's going to have to be a little bit more aggressive to because we've only had I think two first round draft picks in the last how many years? Yeah, 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 yeah I know. But you've got Day and, and Granger Barras to come back as well, so they're like new recruits well, as well. That's the next two. Year. Yeah, well, that's the two that we've had uh, that Hawthorne yeah, have had. So um, they're pretty much. I don't know because how deep's the draft going to be next fall? Coming up. Oh, Pete, if you, could, yeah. if, you, if, you, if you could answer that question and then reiterate that to within a, <laughs> a, a very, very small margin of error, I think you could command your price <laughs> to any one of the clubs. Yeah. It's, it's maybe the strangest year we're going to have. We thought last year was, was strange um, with what we went through with COVID and the lack of footy that a lot of the kids played. But I think it's about 55 to 60% of the draft comes from Victoria still. Uh, and they played less than half a season this year after not much last year. So your guess, Pete, is as good as anybody's into how deep the draft's going to be. Cal Toomey tells me that there's four genuine standouts, and that includes Dacos um, and Darcy, who are already taken up. So that leaves Jason Horn francis and probably Finn Callahan, and maybe there's a fifth in Ben Hobbs, a Horsham boy. Yeah, but after that, it's a, it's a toss of the coin which is, you know, part of the beauty of it all. Um, it's, it's, it is, it's a gamble. Hey, thanks for all your calls and all your texts. We're switching gears now to really drill down into the events of Trade Radio today, all the major discussion points for Trade Evenings. Don't forget the different phone number for that, one three hundred twenty three fifty five forty eight. And I'm going to put that question out there about the greatest trades ever made. We'll do that next. 
G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.